Oh no, there's another squad attacking. Welcome to the third party, an Apex Legends podcast hosted by myself, Shay, and joined as always by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how's it going? It's going really well, Shay. We are just getting back from a bit of a business trip down in San Francisco. It was a ton of fun. And uh, yeah, excited to get back into the world of Apex. Yeah, feels like uh, taking the little week off from vacation is always just a really weird thing to do. And uh, the game starts to feel foreign, but so much happened while we were gone. Today, we're going to be diving into a huge, huge week of news in Apex. But before we do that, if you want a question answered, ask it in our Discord channel meant for questions or leave it in the form of a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you want to support the third-party nation and also get some awesome benefits for yourself, please check out our Patreon. Um, have a ton of awesome benefits over there, exclusive t-shirts, signed replica weapons, gaming sessions, all sorts of fun stuff. Um, the big thing is, though, this Saturday, April 2nd, we're having the second uh, third-party invitational. Uh, this will be a private lobby Apex Legends tournament across five games. We sold out all the spots. Everybody is really mm-hmm. excited. I'm really excited. We're going to do something a little fun this time where we're going to interview the winners. So we're going to do a winner's roundup, and then we're going to post it in the podcast. So if you win the third-party invitational, you get to go on the third-party podcast. cool. Very mm-hmm. cool idea. Um, I think it's going to be fun. Should be no problem to execute, and uh, going to be really fun. We are also going to try our best to host as many people as possible who are competing in the tournament and streaming on Twitch. Um, so if you head over to the Third Party Pod Twitch channel, um, you should be able to see some of the action. Yep. If you are going to be streaming the Third Party Invitational, please shoot me a DM so I can have your account as someone that we can uh, attempt to host. And hopefully it'll be a good time, bring the community together, showcase some people, and yeah, tune into the Third Party Pod Twitch come tournament time to see a couple POVs. And then we're thinking the next tournament, you'll get maybe some Henry and Shay casting style stuff. Uh, hopefully. So that'll be really fun. I'm super looking forward to it. Before we do it, let's dive into the news of this week. First piece of news. We got the Warriors Collection event that just dropped. And oh my goodness, is this a big mid-season patch? We got a lot that happened. Starting of which, Control. It's back. Control's returning for two weeks to coincide with the release of the Collection event. With a new map being added into the fold, Caustic Treatment. It will be the third map in rotation for the Control game mode. We played a few together. What are some of your first impressions of not just Control coming back into circulation, but Caustic Treatment as a map? It's a fun one. You know, I this is one of my favorite POIs in the game right now. Um, so I really like it as the arena for a Control game mode. I was really pleasantly surprised that the gas element is active yeah. in the control mode. I mm-hmm. thought it was going to be disabled. It wasn't, so that's really cool in terms of adding a degree of difficulty, but also making it a little harder to defend B, which is such an important point in the control mode. And then I also really like that the gold weapons uh, that spawn at Caustic are in control as well. So you just have so many different avenues of leveling up your weapon in control, and one of them is now looting. 
uh, on this map. Yeah, it's a it's a really interesting map in terms of just the design of you're going to be pushing inside a building through a very limited number of entryways. And so it's a very big attack and defense. We already saw some Watsons shining on it in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm excited to kind of see how it plays out. And I enjoy having control back. Are you sad that it looks like control is going to be an LTM that gets rotated in with big events, starts of seasons and stuff versus not being permanent? Or are you on the camp of holding out hope that this is another testing ground before it goes permanent? Uh, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. I I don't think that this is going to be made permanent. I think that this is how control is going to be utilized as a game mode, as a limited time thing. I would love to see more variety in the LTMs that we get in mm-hmm. Apex, but... I do like how control plays and the pace of it. And I think the pace is kind of what makes it best suited to be a limited time thing where it's so fast paced, it's objective based, but it's not something that is designed to be Mm -hmm. or in any way is a competitive game mode that could be used as an e-sport or like you get out with your buddies and you Mm -hmm. play Um, pretty aggressively. Mm -hmm. It's super casual. It's fast. It's casual. Um, I I really enjoy playing it, but the fact that it comes and goes, we see uh, Winter Express come and go, and Mm -hmm. we don't cry too hard. Yeah, that's fair. That's very fair. Next piece of news, we got a new arenas map coming into fold. Uh, Here's a little description of this map. Sitting high above the skyline of Malta is the fully automated Hammond manufacturing tower that was constructed for a single purpose, the early production of critical systems for Olympus. Codenamed Drop-Off, the site is still in operation, but at night, arenas fighters covertly, covertly commander the place for fierce matches under the smoggy skies. <clears throat> So for anyone that's unfamiliar, Malta is a city located on the planet of Samathe. That's the same planet that Olympus is on. Malta is the location of Pathfinder's uh, stories from the Outlands, where that kind of went down. It is known as like the smoggy, low fog, dark city uh, where there's a lot of you know crime and such going on. The actual POI, though, in drop-off can be primarily thought of as two governing locations, the interior and exterior. The interior is split across two POIs. you got observation deck and deployment line, while the exterior offers the POI of loading bay. Henry, any first impressions on either the lore of the gameplay of this new arena's map? like the lore a lot. Um, I think that's a pretty fun component of these new uh, arena's maps. I think they've done a Really good job at telling the story. Mm-hmm. Why are we here? How does it tie in? And I like that. Yeah, I think they did a good job with it. I think it looks good. It plays slightly differently, I feel like, than anything I've played so far. Um, I don't want to say like right side or left side, but the interior side, as if you're going to push that way, it's really quick getting into engagement with other people, which yeah. is kind of something different than what we are used to, for better or for worse. I haven't gotten to actually play a ton on the outside yet and experience that, but there seems to be a lot of cover, and it seems to be a pretty cool map in terms of just purely uh, arenas map. And, you know, good for the mode. I'd hope to see some other changes coming here soon overall for arenas to make the POI uh, creation shine a little bit more. Absolutely. I echo a lot of that, that most of the combat happens in the interior side, mm-hmm. regardless of where the ring is right now. Um, that's a very limited sample size of games, yeah. but I felt the same thing. What I find interesting and unique about the gameplay on this map 
is that you can flank on yeah. this map yeah. with the zip lines. Um, which you have zip lines on habitat, um, you know, kind mm-hmm. of on those uh, bridges on both sides, but you're not really able to spin around the map uh, mm-hmm. with those. With these, you could Pathfinder, Octane, Loba to get one of the crafting materials on the exterior side and take a quick zip line to get behind the enemy or get back with your teammates without taking any detour. Like it's just right there in the center where you have these lateral. Uh, zip lines, mm-hmm. which I think is pretty unique, um, just in terms of like early gameplay strategies yeah. and flanking being a component. Because party crashers, that's not possible. Yeah. You know, you're you're hard committing to one side. That's what a lot of arenas maps have been in the past for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it'll be really cool to monitor. Uh, next piece of news, though, we got the collection event news and such and that comes with new crypto heirloom let's start with that the b1 blade what are your first impressions of this we talked about a little bit in leaks but now we're seeing it in its full glory essentially i love it i'm a big big fan i know that this was a legends heirloom that was highly anticipated at least for us like we love the character model of crypto we love the personality we knew that there was going to be something very cool associated with bloodhound when it came to an heirloom i think this nailed it i'm a big big fan i love uh the sword component but i also love the small details and the fact that it has awesome inspects and it's retractable um I'm a big fan. Yeah. Really happy with it. I mean, I think I told you on behind the scenes, like if we were just going to tier rate them, which we've kind of avoided doing, but I would put this one in S tier. And I think it's got a, it's got an argument for being up near the top of that too. I think it's very cool, very unique. The lore elements built into it on top of what you were kind of talking about with the great inspects and animations. Fantastic. And cool to see hack kind of get involved in them as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a huge fan. Like, it's one of those heirlooms where you're like, I don't play a ton of crypto, but I kind of want to buy this, you know, just to, you know, play him and use the heirloom, which I think that's a sign of something effective. Yeah. I mean, for me, when it comes to grading an heirloom, of course, we always say if your main has an heirloom, that's the greatest heirloom. No question, conversation over. But aside from that, I look at uniqueness. You know, like, is this something that stands alone in terms of how cool it is or what you can do with it? And I would say that this is probably the coolest heirloom aesthetically since Gibraltar's. Yeah. And that came out in season seven. So this is a big time heirloom in terms of its impact, I feel, on the community that enjoys crypto a lot yeah um, i think that it was a home run in terms of the design and i really like it um in terms of how detailed it is i think the community agrees as well i don't see a lot of people saying anything bad about it i see most people being like whoa what the heck this thing is freaking awesome so i think that's going to continue i think it's a really good one they nailed it uh the rest of the collection event uh, has some new futuristic looking warrior themed skins Pretty good one. Any skin you really want to talk about that stands out to you at all from this event? Caustic skin in this event is very cool. Yeah. Um, Exposed skin, cool helmet. 
I'm a fan. I think it's, it's cool. very cool. Uh, like my personal opinion, I, I'm not going to actually get any of the skins from this event. You know, I tend to cop one or two. I'm just mm-hmm. not, there hasn't one that's just like blows me away right now. I think they're all pretty good though. Like I would say, like there's not any that I'm like, oh, I really don't like that one, which there tend to be in each kind of event. So I think it's a solid one all around, just up to personal taste. Um, with the store we got going on right now, there's a rotation of some fan favorites. Uh, we got Outland Warriors, the old Bloodhound skin coming back, which is a big one we haven't seen back in a while. Uh, or Outland Warriors, the Bangler one. I'm thinking of Wise Warrior for Bloodhound. That's that one. Outland Warrior is another really cool Bangalore one that's coming back. There's going to be more. Are you on the anything you're looking forward to that's getting recirculated back in that's been a while since we've seen in the game? Uh, just before we recorded, I just bought the Outland Warriors for Bangalore for my girlfriend. Heck yeah. She restarted on new account, had that when it first came out, has missed it greatly. So glad that she was able to get that back. Um, for me, not so much. But there is a cool <laughs> Gibraltar skin. There's uh, a good Gibraltar. Right now. Yeah, totally. Uh, we also got people reporting 20 free battle pass levels upon login. I got them when I logged in. Were you fortunate? Really? Yeah, I did. No, I did not. <laughs> so I'm interested to see what people say in the Discord. Maybe let us know if you got those or not. See, and I'll let you guys know if I get them taken away from me or not. <laughs> we got some updates, though. Along with this collection event, we got next-gen console updates. They are here at last. Kind of. We got some current improvements and future improvements. Current ones include 4K capability, 60 hertz a second, or 60 frames a second, HDR settings, and a few more things. And then future updates will include 120 frames with visual and audio improvements, along with adaptive triggers and optics for the PS5. What are your first thoughts? Because I know that we were expecting 120, you know? Coming in with a next gen update. That was kind of the thought. I was I didn't really know 4K was what the priority was going to be myself. Yeah, I mean, it's a big disappointment, mm-hmm. honestly. It's very hard to spin this as a positive. Um, I play on a, a really nice PC. I do not play Apex in 4K resolution. I don't know anybody that really does. Mm-hmm. That definitely isn't the priority for uh, a first-person shooter in 2022 yep. at all. I, I don't really know of any game that would want to do that for a multiplayer experience. Um, it was all about the 120, and this was long-awaited, very much overdue, and the fact that now we have no timeline for when it will actually happen is disappointing. It's just strange, because a lot of console players, I think, are going to look at this update and say, don't we already have about 60 frames? Why Mm -hmm. Is the difference between 1080 and 4K going to be that? drastic that uh yeah we really enjoy the game more yeah it's a great question but at least they get to avoid the aim assist conversation with this so that's why i'm worried like you are i think that we might not see the up in frame rates for a while disappointing i I think if we were to have taken a different route you know instead of going to pc and we were to gone with a ps5 and had that be our primary like apex machine we would be really disappointed right now yep. um, because that was a bad decision, mm-hmm. essentially, based off of how the development has uh, passed down. Like The next-gen consoles came out over a year ago, and this is what we get. You know, 
hard to not be disappointed. Yeah, uh, agreed. Agreed 100%. Let's talk about some patch notes that came with this update. A couple things for control. They removed the turbocharger from the purple tier weapons, and you have to now get it by going up in your ratings to gold tier. What are your thoughts on that? Kind of a sneaky little change for the Havoc and Devo lovers in control. The thing is, it's really, really easy to tear up to purple. Um, Mm -hmm. So as kind of weird of a change this is, I think it's very much appropriate. Um, I was using the Devo every time with Rampart (laughs) uh, when it came (laughs) up. So gold is much, much harder to achieve Mm -hmm. uh, consistently. So I think this is fair. Yeah. And on top of that, they had some UI and bugs, stability fixes, all that good stuff. I'm glad they did it because I crashed out in the very first game that uh, we played. <laughs> we were kind of expecting a little bit more yeah. uh, updates to control in terms of we felt like there was maybe more you could do in terms of balancing the uh, point system, yep. the rating system, uh, how to combat when players quit and how that would affect match time. Uh, didn't really get a statement or any updates on that. Mm-hmm. Um, game mode is certainly playable, but this isn't a new and improved control. This is the same control as you had, um, and hopefully you like it. 100%. That's a great way to put it. We also got some changes to the G7 Scout. The double tap burst fire delay was reduced from 0.475 to 0.375. They improved the recoil on double tap, and ammo reserves were increased from 120 to 140. It's your love. G7, getting some love. Do you like seeing it get some love? (laughs) This is incredibly concerning. Um, (laughs) You do not like to see this whatsoever. As a G7 fan, this is a bad one. Mm -hmm. This is extremely bad um, because the double tap is not a hop up in the game. Mm -hmm. It likely will not come back. So buffing a specific hop-up on a care package weapon is not good uh, for that reason. But also, it's scary to buff a weapon already in the care package more than a season after it was put into the care package. That makes you feel like we're in it for the long haul. Yeah, And nothing could shatter my heart more than another season of No G7. It's really good, though. I picked it up in control and the recoil, I feel like I felt it uh, a ton. So that's wonderful. <laughs> he said that's but wonderful, but I don't care. I just want it back in the this game. This is bad. This is bad. Oh, <laughs> well, let's keep rolling before we dive into a rapid hole there. We got hop up spawn adjust spawn rate adjustments. They increased the spawn rate for hammer point and kinetic feeder, and they reduced the spawn rate for dead eyes tempo, shatter caps, and boosted loader. What are your thoughts? Hammer point, kinetic feeder. Might finally find them. Yeah, I love this. Um, Hammer Point was extremely rare. Mm -hmm. I hope that this is actually palpable and makes an impact in game. We have been slating to talk about Hammer Point um, now all season long, Mm -hmm. but we haven't really felt like it's a relevant hop up in the game. And there's been so much more content that we wanted to cover. Um, We really love the Hammer Point rounds, have a deep history with them. Uh, We want to do a full breakdown. Hopefully that happens in the next two weeks here, um, and this is a uh, this is a big deal. The only kind of uh, down to this is the boosted loader. I've just been loving on the hemlock yeah. and the wingman. I love that hop up. I'm gonna miss it if it becomes a, a lot more rare. But the hammer point was absolutely needed. It 
The kinetic feeder, on the other hand, I think that's a weird hop-up. Um, I think that's strange. I think it's good. I like it on the PK specifically and specifically with Maggie. So it's a very small use case for when it's good, yeah. but uh, definitely like it in that situation. It's definitely on the weirder side because it's a PK hop-up. You're not sliding around with the triple take, choking it up or anything to no. get value out of it. So yeah, definitely on the weirder end of things. <laughs> and that's strange, but I'm more of a traditionalist and I look at it and I think, the triple take and the peacekeeper already have a hop up, and it's called the precision choke. Not anymore. So that thing's gone. They're like doubling it up, and I just feel like when the kinetic feeder is gone, it won't really be missed, and it has a weird UI to me. Mm-hmm. Like you mm-hmm. feel the effect, but having the choke, like for people that love the PK, it's pretty awesome, and it's almost a must-have. But if you don't use it all the time. You don't really know the the effects, yeah. which I think is a little weird. And the reload component, I also think is strange with a shotgun, especially when you don't reload the PK, like shell after shell. Mm-hmm. You just do it with a mag. So you're still going to reload mm-hmm. is kind of the mm-hmm. point. But maybe now that I find it more, I'll like it more. Yeah, maybe, maybe. We also got some secret changes, some secret shadow buffs from Shrugged Hall. Uh Data mine these ones out because they weren't in the patch notes. We got Rampart. Sheila's charge up time uh, was decreased by 30% from 1.75 to 1.25 seconds to charge it up. And the bow shatter cap damage was increased by two. So going from three, six, and nine to five, 11, eight, and 11. You're the big Sheila guy. Thoughts at all? This is good. I think Sheila is already a very powerful ultimate in this game. Uh, I really enjoy using it. The ability to use it in transition in a fight by pulling it out faster is a big buff. Mm -hmm. And 30%, you're going to be able to feel that and do a lot more damage. I think about one of my favorite applications is you're chasing a team, they go into a building, they block a door, they're on a bat. If you're able to whip out Sheila mm-hmm. now a half a second faster, yeah, wow, you're going to be able to just decimate that team behind the door uh, and they have a lot less time to react. Yeah, totally, totally. We have some other bug fixes as well that came in with this. They fixed a hack where players were able to dual-wield weapons, which as annoying of a bug as it was, it was hilarious to see videos of, in my opinion. And they also fixed a bug where players would not receive assist credit when damaging Gibraltar's arm shield, which is the thing I saw a couple people talking about on social media, so I wanted to shout that one out. And there was honestly a ton of more bug fixes as well. It was a huge, heavy bug fix patch. Uh, in terms of the notes there anything you want to share on these no we always love bug fixes always good it's kind of the the unsung hero of making the game good uh there's not always a lot to talk about and we don't always experience most of the bugs yeah. but you know they go viral it's always mm-hmm. it's necessary work to be done yep 100 percent uh changing tune a little bit we got some algs news the pro league playoffs will officially take place in stockholm sweden for a land tourney, which is going to be freaking sweet to watch. A $1 million prize pool April 29th to May 1st. Dude, first land since we've essentially first land since we've gotten into Apex like mm-hmm. and gotten into the competitive scene. Excited for this one and tuning in? Definitely tuning in. Are you saying that 
they're in land right now? No, they're going to fly there for the next month. For the, next month for the playoffs. Yeah. Man, for that April we really 29th wanted to go. May 1st. Yeah, we, we thought it was going to be in LA for a second there. That's sad. I, I was getting really excited. I hope there's a land that we can go to. We'll keep I don't our think eyes we're going to be making it to Sweden, though. No, probably not. That'd have to be a very big business expense. We'd have to. We can't do yeah, that. Yeah, we'd have to get casting for that. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but it'll be cool to watch. Great to see land stuff. Uh, pick rate updates. Wraith has risen to overtake Octane as the number one most picked legend in Apex. Wraith now, right now sits at 12.9%, Octane at 12.5%. What are your thoughts on this kind of like the overtake without any changes happening to the game kind of thing? Because it's still a significant movement in pick rate without anything going down, which I always think is interesting to see. Yeah, it really is. The the back and forth between Wraith and Octane over the last, I don't know how many seasons that they've been kind of going back and forth mid-season. Yeah. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, Wraith is the queen of Apex. Whenever there's a lull, people are going to default back to Wraith. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I'm really excited to do a post-mortem on this season of Apex because... There's been a lot of talk about the number of players, the state of Apex Legends ranked playlist, and I think that there hasn't been a lot of major overt things that have triggered anything like this. Mm -hmm. But there might be some subliminal things that are. So I'm really excited to dive into that once we have a little bit more data. Hopefully we're able to talk to a developer about it. Um, I don't really have any more comments other than that like they're both really close they're yeah. both really popular the the tip for tat it is what it is yeah it's interesting because it's always like i mean we I, I would have hoped like oh it was a new map that maybe caused something yeah. but not really like it, it just is happening and so it's interesting when that happens because that just means a portion of the player base happened to at the same time switch up which is kind of weird to see and yeah like you said i'm excited to dive into it after the fact and look at things to maybe get some answers last piece of news though for the day the apex chronicles are live again this version is for bangalore it is called the williams send-off the first of three chapters adds a new challenge to the firing range hit 35 targets henry do you want to give people a quick maybe reminder of what chronicles are right now in apex legends uh for anyone that maybe missed it last time am i putting you on the spot too much by asking you to do that <laughs> no this is a really cool component where they're introducing playable lore mm-hmm. into apex legends where you're telling the story focused on one legend that has a playable experience this first chapter is really cool you go into the firing range as bangalore you pick up a G7. Hallelujah. And you essentially have to hit targets that will change color. And the cool thing here is if you hit the target of 35 within the time limit, um, you get a tracker. Mm-hmm. And so if you go hard and you try to get as many uh, you know, positive hits on a target as possible, I would love to see some people you know, get up to maybe 75, 100 targets hit in this period. I think that would be an impressive tracker, and I'm definitely going to be in 
for it. That, it's going to be really cool to see how people kind of do it. There's going to be some crazy M&K stuff. I can tell you that right now in the firing mm-hmm. range. So we'll have to show out for the controller gang. Um, yeah, awesome to see the Chronicles come back. We'll keep you guys updated on it and probably do a little recap when everything comes to the end because we're going to learn some cool stuff from lore. And I'm interested to see if they go back to the in-game stuff because there was kind of some doubts on if they were going to go that way again. Uh, but before we get into the rest of the episode, here's a quick word from our sponsors. Welcome back. Before we get into some questions around the show, we got a welcome to the club. It's been a long time, but one of our longtime listeners and longtime patrons, Lee the Fuse Main, shouted out a club in Discord. And so we wanted to give it a little shout so you guys can maybe go fill it up. This is a great segment where we're trying to help people connect with one another to play games. So Lee's, Lee's club is called The Nerdists. The Nerdists. I don't know if you can hear me through the podcast trying to say that little like weird ISTS thing at the end. So it's going to be in the description. Your only requirements are that you're willing to use voice chat and you're at least level 50. Lee is the admin. He's based in the EU. So just a heads up that there's going to be some ping if you're maybe like a West Coast person trying to game it up all the time. And how Lee describes it, a casual group just looking to have some fun. So hopefully you guys can file in, fill that club up. And uh Meet some other fellow nerdists. <laughs> yeah, we love to see this. The clubs component is something that we would really enjoy seeing more people playing together. Yeah. We always say when we're mastering the legend or we're giving advice on how to rank up, you gotta play together. You mm-hmm. know, it just it takes your performance as a team up exponentially. You're gonna win more games, you're probably gonna get more kills, you're mm-hmm. probably gonna do more damage because you're surviving longer. Yep. You know, like in a game by game basis, maybe when you're playing with people and you're in sync, you're performing tactically, maybe you underperform yourself when you're going out solo. But in the long run, you're going to have more fun and I think your stats are going to go up. Yep. I think that's well said. So, yeah, join Lee's Club, the Nerdists. Let's dive into some questions now. First question this is a five star coming from Double Cowis. How do I get my 4K badges, Blood Hunter? Got any advice, tips, and tricks for the well, 4K? Well, I have a 4K as Blood Hunter. <laughs> oh, um, man, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, this was, I think, my third game on PC <laughs> on Olympus. Dropped in both my teammates. I landed at Carrier. Both my teammates landed off the map on both sides of uh, the Carrier, <laughs> died, and quit. And so I played it completely solo this before no fill. And yeah, just always going, always bathing in the blue. Um, we talked I, a little about it last week with no Coco yeah. stuff. A little bit. Mm-hmm. Finish your kills. Mm-hmm. Legend doesn't really matter based off of no Coco's <laughs> video. Yeah. Definitely watch that. Um, finishing kills and doing poke damage as well trying to do as much damage as possible. You know, you are able to farm at least a thousand damage off of a team. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to land in a position where you can bank at least 1500 damage right off the drop. So you're getting a little lucky, you're finding teams, you're finding weapons, armor, you're doing 1500. And then if you're able to get to a mid game fight, farm a thousand off of them, you're getting very, very close to get to that final five, mm-hmm. do some poke damage. And then, be patient in that final three in order to 
get the damage that you need. Yeah, people say you can get 1,500 just off the last team if it's not like a super small ring. So that's a good game plan. And yeah, I would say play with teammates. Don't know Phil and hopefully play with some teammates on comms and you know have somewhat of an understanding. Like, hey, guys, we're not going to be uber aggressive here and just close out. Let me finish these people as well. Like, it's those little things like that that'll help. Hey, you should be shooting as much as you can and R31 will burn through ammo if that's your gun of choice. So having teammates that are maybe carrying some ammo for you, maybe a low buzz in there, you know, something to back you up, lifeline if you go down, Gibraltar if you go down. Um, having a team to support you is definitely going to help as well. Bloodhound's ultimate is just awesome for this, though. Totally. Like, the 10-second extension on the ultimate at times is just insane. I've had some experiences where I just feel like way after the fight, I'm still bathing in the bluth. Uh, so that helps a lot. Next question coming from David. Here's my question I'd like you to spend a moment or more on. Why are consoles ranked pools different? Why is it easier to get pred on Xbox, less RP required, then on PlayStation. Shouldn't it be just around the same pred pool for console players instead of two different pools? Having one ranked pool RP requirement for PC and one for consoles makes sense. But three, PlayStation, Xbox, and PC does not. Keep up the good work, boys. This is actually an interesting thought. Like, I, I think there's a... I mean, because the argument is input. Like, you can't have the M&K versus the controller at all times competing against one each other and segmenting it by platform is the way to kind of divide that in a way. And so it's not pure cross-play, if that makes sense. You have to be in lobbies with PC people to play. But so, yeah, looking at it and being like, how come PlayStation and Xbox don't just play each other permanently at all times? I'm not sure. Maybe some more people can be pred is the answer. Maybe there's just too many people that are playing in each of these lobbies. But maybe it'd be healthier for the game if we just expanded the rank system and made it so there was more preds, made it so you know more people could play against each other of equal skill level. Because if you obviously combine those, you're going to get more similar level player playing against each other. I agree with that. We know that the console player base is much larger than the PC player totally. base. So by splitting that in half across Xbox and PlayStation, you're giving probably a, a similar amount of opportunity um, for people to make it to Apex Predator. And I'm okay with that, honestly. I think that it's okay to have these separate pools because the game's called Apex Legends. Reaching Apex Predator is a major accomplishment to make it twice as difficult for console players to reach that point. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's necessary. It's already so, so difficult to reach it that I don't feel like in this current state having three different pools where there can be 750 preds in each pool is diluted. Yeah. Like I don't think that it's spread out too thin. Um, that's not a lot of people that are maintaining you know, that top spot. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's totally fair. Yeah, if they were going to ever combine it would come with a change in how things are structured. And maybe there's an argument to do so. I think there's going to be some changes based off of everything that's going on right now in the community coming up here and maybe a season or two. So I'm sure we will kind of circle back and talk about this again. And there could be an episode before then on that topic. We'll see. <laughs> 
Next question, coming from Parker and Arthur. I've been listening since day one, and I have listened to almost everything you've put out. I love the show, but I do have a few questions. I'm a level 500 player, and I've been playing since day one, and I got my account early season two. I'm a Bloodhound main, but play everyone. I'm well-rounded with every legend, but Bloodhound is my default. I have almost every legendary skin, only missing three ever. Yes, that means I spent money, and I got the prestige skins after pulling my heirloom with normal packs and maxed it out in a week. Do you think I've wasted my money and gameplay time getting these skins? And I would love to see a new Mastering the Legends for Bloody. Love the show and love what you guys do. Keep on keeping on. So, no, you definitely haven't wasted your money. I mean, it seems like Apex is your main game. You're playing all the Legends. You're having fun. I think that it's completely reasonable for you to make the game possible by reinvesting your hard-earned money into the game that you love. Mm-hmm. That makes total sense to me. Especially if you got a main like this. It sounds like you got 100%. someone you stick with. Like, yeah, it makes it easy to make those decisions. I have ones where I regret spending money because I buy the skin that I think is really cool for the character I never play. But if you're playing the same person over and over and over again, yeah, no worries. No regrets. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that in terms of mastering the legends for Bloodhound again, it's possible. Mm-hmm. We both love Bloodhound, love playing them. I don't know if enough has significantly changed since when we did Bloodhound, which I believe was in season six. It was end after of season the six. changes to his ult. Mm-hmm. So we had the extension. I don't think anything significant has changed. Mm-hmm. The only thing I think that we've missed is the fact that you can't get assists yeah. anymore from yeah. hitting the scans. Other than that, it's pretty up to date, but I certainly hear you that. We should be refreshing these more because as we grow as a community, we should be, you know, hyping up these <laughs> loved legends. It's on the docket. It's on the docket, but it's uh it's in line to to get there, unfortunately. <laughs> yep. Next question coming from Legendary Larry. I made it into Diamond for the first time. I'm in D3 now, but do you guys have any advice on how to play in the final rings? when there are still eight teams plus? Yeah, I, this is a great, great question. And yeah. listening to the ranked guides is kind of the detailed way that we go into things. And we're going to come out with something for Kings Canyon next week, a little bit, a little bit of a ranked tips and tricks in there, but also just a general map thing. Uh, so stay tuned for that one. In general, though, I feel like you kind of got two options, Larry, when you're kind of getting into the end game and just playing ranked in general. You can play ahead in zone and play for positioning we call it the power position there's some maps where that doesn't really kind of play out as uh, we used to think it did in terms of a concept but each map in each zone still does have a best position to be in in general that's option one option two you play edge of the ring and you kind of be a little bit more willing to take fights aggressively if need to and be more flexible with the Gibraltar, with the Valk, and kind of to get out of sticky situations. I think it's easier to play the first option and to play ahead and play in the zone, in the strongest spot available. And so, Larry, what I will tell you is identifying where that best spot is and doing what you can to get there with your team is going to help you kind of close out some of those final rings and get higher than those top eights and get into those top fives, get into those top fours where you start to see some real big RP bumps. Maybe you play a defensive legend to assist with that. I would also recommend getting that recon legend in there so you know where that ring is even sooner than you would otherwise. That's the quick spiel. Shay and I in ranked play very proactive. Mm-hmm. We're scanning beacon, getting that placement, 
getting the best building or high ground in that final circle so that we don't even care how many teams are around us. We know we're in the best place and we know we can defend it. My girlfriend is currently solo queuing. She's at D2. She plays purely reactive. Bangalore, Maine. She never looks at the mini map. I tell her all the time, <laughs> gotta look at the map, figure out where to go. She doesn't really care. She's going to be chasing the kill point. She's going to be playing and reacting to situations. And she's not afraid of the ring, honestly. She's like, mm-hmm. I got heat shields. Ring one doesn't matter. I'm going to chase kills and get my points. And once I get to the ring, if I get to the ring, I'll figure it out from there. Mm-hmm. Um, both obviously can work based off of where we've both placed if there's eight teams left and it's ring four, I would probably, it's too late, you know, you haven't gotten to the placement that you need to. I would sit down and be quiet. Mm-hmm. Like, that is way too many teams for at least Shay and my team comp to start getting loud and knocking people down. I would just hide behind some cover <laughs> and wait till at least top five in order to make a move. The way the RP system is currently built out, placement is just too valuable to give up, and the mm-hmm. opportunity cost is too high for dying. The and difference between top six and top five is massive. Yeah. So like That's just how you got to play. Maybe that'll change, but as of now, that's the system. It's a system that really suits Henry and I's play style as well and how we've always played the game. So it's a good season for playing that way. But anyways, that's going to wrap up this episode. Thank you to our producer of the Third Party 10 who supports Silver on Patreon as a dropship captain in the 10 tier and subscribe on Apple Pods, drop a follow on Spotify, and check out the Discord via the link in the description. Thanks so much for listening to the Third Party Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey now, another squad coming in. Whole squad down. Hey, brother, not today. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs>